Hi, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising as One podcast. Before we begin, I'd love to thank several sponsors. I'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network first. You can find all their stuff at bgn.fm. They're responsible for getting many great USL podcasts out, so please give them a look. Also go to firebirdsoccer.net. This is the new website for our former Firebird Rising coverage, so you can find all sorts of great coverage for Phoenix Rising FC and other soccer-related news in the state of Arizona, all at firebirdsoccer.net. And lastly, we would like to thank Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is a uh, sponsor for, you know, MLS teams, USL teams, all sorts of other stuff. So go to Roughneck Scarves and find a scarf today. And now let's get on to the show. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Rising is One podcast. This is Dominic Kearns and I'm doing it solo this week due to some weird uh, stuff going on today. Kyle Mackey is on a drive from here to Vegas. He's on the road right now. For those of you who aren't aware, most of that drive has very poor service uh, and he is right in the middle of it. Uh, And then Aaron Blau, unavailable for the podcast. He was covering the Sporting Arizona match. They're getting their U.S. Open Cup run started early, and so that's where he was at. I will get you guys a final score on that match at some point during this podcast, but it's all about Phoenix Rising today and this week because Phoenix Rising gets its first ever home playoff match, sets an all-time attendance record with 7,511 fans, and gets a resounding dominating 3-0 win over Timbers 2 to bring everyone to their feet with MLS executives in town. Unbelievable stuff. So before we get right into that match, I'd like to thank our sponsors, the Arizona Sports Complex, located in Glendale by the 101 and 17 freeways. The Arizona Sports Complex has leagues for people of all ages, um, indoor soccer leagues. So whether you're 7 or 77, there is a league for you. Two great indoor fields and one outdoor field make a perfect place to go for leagues or even for events. So definitely go up there, let them know the Rising is One podcast sent you, and get a discount on annual membership. And with that being said, let's get to the match itself. Um, it's really weird talking like this without hosts to bring more insight to the table, so I'll do my best here uh, to just go for it. But uh, I love this starting lineup. We go out in that traditional 4-2-3-1 formation, Carl Wazinski in the the net, Um, Abdul Salam, Farrell, Defont, Dia as the back four, our number one top choice lineup there, no surprises. Colin Fernandez getting the start alongside Kevon Lambert, and that's that's the result of Musa not quite being match fit after that late season injury. He was not even on the 18. Um, and then going up top, we have Asante, Drogba, and Johnson. Drogba is in that kind of attacking midfield role that we've really been asking for for weeks now. And Chance finally unveils it. Then Cortez at the top. I love this lineup, it was perfect. Uh, I feel like with 
Drogba and Cortez in. The defense just has their hands full. They can't guard both of those guys at all times. Then Asante and Johnson bringing the speed on those wings. I think that was an excellent starting lineup. And I love the back four. Um, Timbers 2 match our 4-2-3-1 with the same thing. Um, and in this, in the early parts of this match, they actually had more possession, more shots. Not too many quality chances per se, but they were controlling a lot of the possession. Um, you go to... 17th minute, Dyron Asparilla had a shot blocked. But then um, Jack Barmby gets the rebound and puts a shot on target, and it's saved. Um, saved by Carl Wazinski. Uh, you go forward a little bit later into this match, and, you know, not too much happening for either side, but Timbers 2 getting most of the possession. And really, out of nothing, we get a free kick. Didier Drogba wins it from 35 yards out. It felt even further. And for some reason, I just had a feeling. I want to get my phone out. I want to record this shot. I just have a feeling about this. Maybe it'll force a save. Maybe it'll be close. Maybe he'll put a ball in for someone to head on. But in any case, I just had a feeling. And sure enough, Didier steps up there, puts it on frame, gets a nice swerve to it, and... You know, Timbers 2's goalie could have done better here. Um, All he can do is punch it into the top of the goal. It's a 1-0 rising lead, and it comes at the perfect time uh, because to that point, it had been a pretty tense match. You know, not a lot going for us. Um, Austin Pack was in net for Timbers 2, and a lot of people on Twitter were saying he was their third-string keeper. Um, A guy who was in net for them for much of the season... Um, Augustine Williams wasn't even in the 18 due to injury. So definitely a break for us. But Didier Drogba, that's the Drogba effect right there. I think most people take that free kick, and it's a similar free kick, and the keeper is there, and he does enough to at least punch it for a corner. But with Drogba up there, you know, there are certain times as a keeper where you're just you're shaking a little bit when a guy's lined up on the ball, And that's got to be one of those times for that keeper. And maybe he just reacted a little bit late because he was worried about how that ball was going to swerve. Drogba does it, 1-0. The place goes berserk. And it was perfect timing. If we get to halftime and it's still 0-0, I think people are tightening up. I think the atmosphere doesn't become what it was in that second half. And you could could see like a, a stressful match build up as this goes on. Like we saw in Sacramento and in Salt Lake, where the home teams lost because they didn't get those early goals, they didn't pounce, and that gave the visitors confidence, and that made the home fans nervous. Here we get that crucial early goal, and, you know, Timbers 2 have a couple chances in the remainder of that half. Uh, One chance in particular just before halftime, Andre um, Andre Lewis had a shot that was blocked, Took a little deflection in the 43rd minute, and Carl Wazinski had to do very well uh, to get down and catch that ball. Um, It was a weird shot because if it takes a bigger deflection towards that far post, it might have gone in. It would have been really difficult for Carl to react. Instead, it takes a small deflection, goes towards him. He's able to make the good save there. And we do enough to stay ahead uh, 1-0 going into halftime. 
Again, not too many chances other than that goal to speak of in that half. Um, Jason Johnson had a shot off a very direct ball from Carl Wozinski, but the shot gets blocked. Um, and then, you know, is really one of those plays out of nothing that maybe he scores it last year. At least that's what I'm thinking in the moment. But, um, you know, not too much to speak of. Our defense did a great job in this match of staying compact, limiting their opportunities, just being solid. And a lot of that credit goes to a guy that I've criticized before, Mike DeFont, who ends up getting man of the match in this match for several blocked shots, really good distribution, a goal line clearance. He was on a mission back there. Joe Farrell did a much better job this week than in some weeks marking his guys. Really, everyone just banded together back there. So we go into halftime 1-0 and, you know, got to love our chances at that point because at this point, the crowd is getting into it. The players are loving how things are going. Everyone's feeling good. And we have more depth, too. We have more speed as this match progresses. You feel like we're going to add to this lead against an inexperienced Timbers 2 team. And ultimately, that's exactly what happens. Timbers 2 have a couple chances before our goal. 53rd minute, Dyron Asperia gets a shot, goes a little bit left. Um, Johnson had a really good chance in the 58th minute just before scoring um, where Asante fed him, and he just put it wide. But then in the 62nd minute, we get that goal, and it's off a long ball. Um, I want to say Chris Cortez sends a long ball forward, and... Johnson does such a good job here because, you know, the Timbers 2 defender had positioning to, you know, control this ball, to send it back to the keeper, to do what he had to do here. But Johnson, using his guile, using his professionalism, does a very good job. Just a little nudge um, in the Timbers defender's back. And I still need to check that out, see the guy's name. Um... But he, he wins the ball because of that little push there. And then gets it onto his right foot, fakes the shot, and then slides it in with his left. Excellent, excellent play there by Jason Johnson. And it was a vintage 2017 goal. We would see a lot of goals like that coming for Jason Johnson last year where he was very calm, very composed on the ball, not messing up a chance like that, taking his time with a really cool finish. Uh, you know, this year, for whatever reason, those chances haven't gone in as much. But in this situation, he absolutely executes. It was Nathan Smith, by the way, the guy that Johnson just nudges to the side to get that ball. And then an unbelievable shot right there to just roll it in with the left foot. It was such a small window. And at that point... The supporters are rocking. The whole place is going bananas. There's no way we're blowing a 2-0 lead. And I want to also give a shout-out to Chris Cortez on this goal because everyone's going to be talking about Johnson. Everyone's going to be talking about him winning the ball, being composed, great finish, or they'll be talking about Drogba with the free kick. But here, Chris Cortez does a great job just to win the ball in the midfield and then send a long ball to a perfect spot. He had to chest the ball down and then one-time it with his left foot. Extremely difficult thing to do, and he puts it on a dime 
into a spot where Johnson has a chance to run it down with his speed, and he does so. So big shout-out to Chris Cortez for making that play happen. Now at this point, again, everyone's feeling really good. You have to love our chances to win the game um, at this point. And Timbers 2 makes an offensive substitution. Um, Augustine Williams came in. It was Kendall McIntosh. He was their really good keeper that was out due to injury. So apologies there. Um, but they they create a couple chances. Langsdorf has a chance that misses. That was a little bit dangerous. And then towards the end of this match, Dyron Asperia has a chance. A curling effort that didn't miss by much. Um, just a little bit off to the side. Marvin uh, Loria had a chance that just missed to the left. They were working the ball into dangerous areas, but the defense did well to block shots to limit those golden opportunities. And then you saw a bunch of substitutions. For us, Didier Drogba came off in the 73rd minute, Awaka replacing him. Uh, and we did put some chances uh, on their net trying to get that third goal. It looked like we would just take it 2-0, but Phoenix Rising never says die, and one of the guys that's the best conditioned around, Solomon Asante, gets our third goal in the 90th minute, and does a great job to do this. Billy Forbes takes a shot, it gets blocked, and Solomon Asante is just a wizard when he gets the ball on his right foot. He wins this loose 50-50 ball, shields off the Timbers 2 defender, and just creates that space with his right foot so he can bang it off the post and in. And that's just a classic Solomon Asante goal. Not many guys have that kind of cool presence to win that ball, to take a good touch there, and then to bang it into the net so that there's so much pace a keeper can't just dive down and make the save. Solomon Asante does all those things, gets the ball into the net, and ices our 3-0 win with style. And it's just a great result. Like, ends 3-0. Um, one of the T2 defenders, Adrian Dispe, got a red card at the very end for a tackle on Asante. Was it worthy of a red? I don't know. doesn't matter. It was already 3-0. It was already over at that point. So, a great win for us. And thankfully, no injuries come out of this match. So, we have a full squad ready to go for next week. Um... You love to see our three goal scorers be Drogba, Johnson, and Asante because those are three of our most explosive goal scorers. You love to see Didier, Drogba, and Johnson score the first two goals because they were with us last year. And that's why I say, in many ways, this felt like a 2017 Phoenix Rising match. You know, we've done a better job this year of winning the majority of possession of creating a lot more shots on goal than the opposition but in this match that wasn't necessarily the case it just came down to executing the chances we did have and thankfully we did a great job of that um they had 19 shots to our 13 but only four of theirs were on target five of ours were on target they complete more passes than us 400 to 339 Better pass accuracy, better possession, 56 to 44. So, in almost every statistical category, we're not necessarily on the front foot in this match. And that's why I say it was like last year. We were just the more clinical team taking advantage of our opportunities. 
And that's what happened yesterday. It was a vintage match with a vintage Drogba free kick and a vintage Jason Johnson goal. And that was just so satisfying because a lot of the people that were involved in yesterday's match in key roles, you know, other than Asante, but, you know, Carl Wazinski making a couple big saves, Chris Cortez sending that great ball forward on the assist, even Awako coming on late. A lot of those guys were on the squad last year. And Dia at the left-back position. And you know how frustrating it was for us to go out the way we did. So for these guys to have a huge role in us winning this match, in us moving on, that's just really cool to see. Because I feel like this is the kind of performance we would have expected last season. And unfortunately, you know, injuries, sloppy field conditions, all that stuff prevented it from happening that way. But here we take care of business. And before I move on to anything else, I want to give a huge shout out to the fans because the atmosphere at that match was electric. Carl Wazinski said in his post-match interview he had never heard the soccer complex get that loud. And I completely agree. You know, two years of going to almost every match, I'd never heard it that loud either. Throughout the course of the match, you know, Banditos and Red Fury coming together for a couple chants. That was unbelievable. The noise people were bringing from the opening whistle and just the consistency of the chants throughout this match, they were all at levels that I, I don't know if I expected. I definitely hadn't heard before. It was amazing. Everyone brought it on Friday night. And, you know, due to some fortunate circumstances with Sac Republic losing... Now we have a chance to bring it again with another dollar beer night against Hull Park Rangers. Hey there, everybody. Kyle Mackey here on the road to Las Vegas. I got a work seminar that I'm going to be at all week, but um, wanted to give my thoughts on this week's match, you know, for Phoenix Rising. Um, it was a great match. I don't, you know, for those that were there, I mean, amazing atmosphere, the best yet at Phoenix Rising, and I think there's a lot more to come. Um, I mean, so pumped just to, to be able to have this first home playoff victory. Um, I mean, I think it was a lot more than what anybody could have anticipated. You know, as we said last week, it was, everyone was, Zero 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 on the on the season. You know this is a clean slate, and Phoenix Phoenix started off uh, you know in great style. I think, and you know as far as the match, I think that it was maybe a little bit of a slow start by Phoenix. Timbers too came out and had some really good opportunities, but um, you know come the twenty seventh minute, Didier Drogba just steps up and just a moment of magic from him, you know, able to beat the keeper. Um, and I mean, just a rocket. The keeper even gets his hands to it, but it still goes in that upper right corner, upper left corner for Drogba. And I mean, it was just, it was unreal. You know, watching it from the supporter section, I had a pretty good view. I was kind of standing behind our the goal that Waz was in. And I had a clear line of where Drogba was at. And when I saw him hit that ball, it was such a clean shot. And you knew it was goal-bound. And just to be able to put it 
through the keeper's hands. I mean, it's just that's just classic Drogba. I mean, just he hasn't lost anything. And I think before that, even there was a few touches that he had on the ball. He really showed up in this match. And when I saw him in the starting eleven, I was kind of weary. You know, we just had some difficult matches with him starting before, but he's shown you know in playoff matches for Phoenix Rising, he has two goals in two matches. And, um, I mean, he just brings so much when there's so much on the line in a match. And, um, I mean, I'm just, you know, looking forward to this week now. It's, it's going to be amazing because I feel like having him in great form, it just adds another dimension to our team. You know, whether he starts or comes off the bench, he's just so lethal when he's in form. Um, and I mean, he's not the only one that's, you know, getting going, going into the, second half of the match you know we get another opportunity Jason Johnson he he had a great match I thought I mean he really you know just wanted to get on the ball and make a difference and he didn't have too many opportunities but you know without with that one great opportunity that he had to put it near post on the goalie just just shows the confidence he has you know he sticks with it he gets his good opportunity and he just makes the most of it and does it so cleanly um, that was just an amazing goal. After that, the supporter section just erupted. I mean, it was it was just such a relief because I knew, you know, 1-0 was, was not going to be enough to take out the Timbers. I think they still had hope to be able to get back into the match. But, I mean, you also have to shout out to our defense because they just made so many blocks. Carl made so many great saves, just shut down so many good opportunities. Mike DeFont. You know, he was just all over the pitch. Definitely stepped up, earned that man of the match. Um, So, I mean, it was just, it was just an all-around great performance. I mean, and going into the end of the match, Phoenix keeps pushing. They don't want to risk giving up one goal and, you know, T2 getting hope and trying to take it 2-2. We saw that with the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, and they eventually went down a penalty kick. So, we see that the Phoenix Rising team has the veteran leadership and the maturity to keep pushing. And Solomon Asante just will not be denied. And he just goes out there and just steals a goal. And, I mean, it's what you love out of Solomon Asante. It's what makes him a fan favorite. And to get him scoring two, I think it's just going to be another great part of our attack I mean I'm really really excited for the Swope game but looking forward to it Swope is a very dangerous and dynamic team me and Dominic were talking about it they can play in many different ways they don't have to just play possessive or on the counter attack like Phoenix they can play both ways although Phoenix I think a lot of people would say thrives more on the counter attack so I wonder how we're going to match up against Swope. It's going to be really interesting because depending on how we come out and play, they might adjust their style of play to prevent us from being successful. So it's all a part of them being in Peter Vermees system, in my opinion, one of the greatest uh, coaches here in the U.S. I mean, he's just a soccer mastermind. And, um, I mean, I just, I just think they're – you know, had that trickle down from the first team to the second team. That's shown through Swope's success in the playoffs. They're not here by a mistake. Uh, when, the, when you know, push comes to shove, they're able to get it done in the playoffs. And that is where Phoenix Rising fans are going to remember last season and have a bitter taste in their mouth. But it's different this time because we're not going to have 
any inclement weather, any rain raining out in the first half, disrupting our tempo, causing an injury. It's just going to be a totally different game. It's going to be a beautiful Friday dollar beer night. 8-0 on dollar beer night Phoenix Rising is right now. And I think we all know that this is just going to be a hectic night. I mean, this has got to be another sellout record. Phoenix Rising fans are going to be out in all sorts. It's going to be crazy. I mean, the atmosphere on Friday night was unreal, and I think that it's going to be topped, no doubt, because Phoenix has been craving a successful team, and now the news is finally taking notice, pushing that this Phoenix Rising team is successful. Drogba's amazing free kick has made it all around the world on Twitter. So, I mean, Phoenix Rising's stock is so high right now, and I think so many people want to come see what this team's about because people want to see a successful team and a successful product, and Phoenix is bringing that right now. And, I mean, it's so great to see, and, I mean, this this match is really going to be the biggest match so far in Phoenix Rising history, and it's at home, so we need to take advantage of that tell everyone you know all your friends all your family family if anyone's curious get them a ticket i mean it's it's cheap right now it's season ticket member pricing if you if you have that i mean it's you can definitely just give an early christmas gift you know i mean just share with your family because this is going to be a great atmosphere and uh you know we could get a lot of people hooked through this one match so it's it's just something i'm really looking forward to um I just I just think that this has been a tremendous growth that we've seen from Phoenix Rising and to have the MLS expansion well the MLS executives there is another big deal because we showed that we not only have a successful product we have a successful fan base we have successful you know facilities we have a field that these guys can play amazing soccer on it. An amazing game can be played. And we're, we have the pull, the ownership to get big name players and develop players as well. You know, we've really put together a great team in such a short amount of time when you actually look at it. So it's really just, it's just so great right now to be a Phoenix Rising fan. And it, I mean, it's just, it's what you look forward to all season. I mean, you just have to enjoy every single second of it because the playoffs go by so fast and you never know what's going to happen. But, I mean, right now it's just it's been so fun. And, I mean, I'm just really looking forward to this, you know, journey. And no matter how far we go, you got to be proud of what Phoenix Rising has done and just look forward to next season. So um, that's about it. I'm... You know, actually going over the Hoover Dam right now. So I will uh, send it back to Dom and go rising. So on that note, let's get to that Swope Park Rangers preview. Swope Park Rangers, for the second straight year in a row, beat Sac Republic in the playoffs. And they overcome an early deficit in this match. Uh... Vilyan Bizev scores a really good goal in the 16th minute off of some terrible Swope Park defending. They made a mess of this play. And you're thinking at this point, Sac Republic's up 1-0 at home. This is exactly what they want. Well, instead, Swope Park comes back in this match 
with two goals in the next 15 minutes. In the 27th minute, uh, Juan Kazane gets a goal. And, you know, I hate to say this, but you look back at that goal, Josh Cohen probably should have done better. Um, it was a near post shot, a low shot, not with too much velocity on it. Um, so definitely one he's not going to watch on the tape. That ties the match. And then in the 31st minute, who else but Haji Berry, um, you know, gets a ball into the box. He hits it from the edge of the box. A nice curler that very few keepers could have saved. And just like that, Swope is up 2-1. And then they just lock that game down, very defensive in that second half, but really limiting Sac Republic's chances. Um, you know, kind of a match like ours where they didn't have as much possession, they didn't have as many passes, but every single one of their five shots on target, and they take the win in this match. If you're looking for a starting lineup prediction, with a team like Swope, you never exactly know who the starting 11 will be, but you're going to see Tyler Blackwood, you're going to see Carlton Belmar, you're going to see Haji Berry up top, you're going to see Amir Didic in the back, you're going to see Bilyeu at left back, and, you know, in goal, it's more of an open-ended question. Um, the guy who started for them this weekend was Eric Dick. Um, I hope that any supporters listening to this are thinking about some chance for Friday because it would be a real shame if you guys had some funny chance related to his name. With that being said, this is a team that's very concerning. They've won the West two straight seasons. They knocked us out of the playoffs last year in one of the most frustrating matches I've ever seen. Um, you know, I, I won't get into it here, but we go ahead an extra time. After the first half, the match gets rained out. We have to resume it the next day. Go ahead, but they come back and they win in PKs. So that history should fire up the supporters, should fire everyone up in this stadium. We have a chance to knock out this nemesis, not just for revenge for last year, but for the entire Western Conference. The Swope Park team is not that good, and they've just been that BS team that gets under everyone's skin and squeaks through the whole conference. That's been two years in a row now. So a really exciting opportunity to host them this year and get revenge for a lot of people. Their lineup, they're going to have a 4-1-4-1 formation. Um, Blackwood will feature up top. You'll have Barry and Belmar on the wings. And they're going to test our wings. Uh, I would love to see that Dia-Belmar matchup. That's going to be a key matchup to watch. And then Barry versus Abdul Salam. And that's, that's why I think Abdul Salam was such a helpful signing for matches like this. But it's going to be a good competitive match. I don't see Swope bending over like Timbers 2 once they fell behind. This is an experienced team. Most of these guys have been through the playoff run before. Most of their guys have done this USL thing before. They've won the West two straight years. So we're going to have to bring our A game. The players on the pitch and the supporters are going to have to bring their A game. This should be a challenging match because Swope is a team that can play different styles. You know, 
in our matches earlier this season, we you know, conceded two goals against the run of play, and then we're fortunate to get a 2-2 draw in our home meeting, and then just got completely outclassed in a 1-0 loss in Kansas City. Those are both early in the season when Carterone was still our coach, but this is a team that has matched up well with us. So, very dangerous match. Not one that I expect to be easy. Um, it's probably going to take a moment of magic, and it's going to take some resolute defending. I see this being a 2-1 win in extra time, but, you know, a very, very nerve-wracking kind of situation. No one wants to see it go to penalties. I mean, except for you sadists out there that are not rising fans. You guys, no, I can't deal with that after last year's PK shootout with this team. So that is what it is. It's going to be a tough match, but I think we have just enough magic this year to get through this team and just knock off a nemesis that's been annoying everyone in the Western Conference. Um... The match is going to be on Friday, October 26th, 7.30 start, dollar beer night just like this week. I think it's the beer night magic that'll pull us through, but, you know, if anyone thinks this is going to be an easy win or a blowout win, they're out of their minds. There is no such thing at this point in the season, and okay, maybe you look at their point total or their um, seventh seed. But no, this is a very dangerous, very legitimate Soul Park team. So I'm expecting a tough, tough match. Um, you can also check out Chad Smith at uh, Play for 90 on Twitter. Um, he covers Sporting KC stuff, and he has some good coverage of the Soul Park Rangers team. So we might reach out to him during the week for a little bit of Q&A, but he's a good guy to follow if you're interested in that perspective. With that being said, preview is done. Um, let's get into other USL scores on the weekend. So there were only two other matches in the Western Conference. And, you know, both these matches went the way that I predicted them. I don't know if everyone saw these matches going this way, but in the early afternoon match, Reno gets a big 1-0 win on the road in Salt Lake City. And Brian Brown comes through with a 92nd minute winner, their first ever playoff victory. You got to feel very excited for Reno fans. But for Monarchs, this is the second year in a row where they lose their first round home playoff match. That's brutal. I mean, you can say they're a two team, you can say whatever. They have they have MLS, so does it really matter that much, but you know, I don't care. I don't care who you are. That is just a rough thing to go through. So they they have uh, gone through it again with a late, late winner for Reno. That means that Reno will travel on the road to play Orange County, the Western Conference's top seed, and they played like it. Uh, Michael Seaton gets a hat trick in this match, and the goal scoring started very early for them. In the 11th minute, um, they did not let up. They made St. Louis look like a team that did not deserve to make it to the playoffs, uh, which is a very weird thing because they had actually been a pretty respectable team 
for most of the season. Um, their chances really went out the window in the 21st minute when Tony Walls picked up a red card. And uh, I'm, I'm watching the highlights right now. And, yeah, that's just a bad challenge. You can't do that. Um, a bad, bad challenge. The guy loses possession of the ball and just goes studs up into uh, Orange County, uh, into Seton, actually, and gets sent off with a red card. I don't know if a straight red was the right call there, but I can certainly see why it's a uh, straight red. And Honestly, refs probably should be doing that more often, you know, calling it by the letter of the law and, like, actually taking a stand because sometimes it feels like these matches get too physical and they let too much go. Um, you know, again, I don't know if I would feel the same way if it was Rising getting called with a red card there, but once that happened, it was cruise control for Orange County. Um, goals in the 11th minute, 29th minute, and 64th minute for Seton, and then they round out the scoring two minutes later to make it 4-0. Um, just a crushing, dominating victory. You know, 21 shots to 11, 8 on target to 1. Dominated the possession. Orange County looked like a wagon in this match. Um, so they will host Reno in a very intriguing second-round match next week. And that's that's what's going on in the Western Conference. Now that we're in the playoffs, I guess we have to pay attention to the East a little bit. And for those who do, it was a great, it was a great uh, lineup of matches. FC Cincinnati gets taken to penalties by Nashville, a six to five penalty shootout that FCC just ekes out, um, but they do just enough to move on and avoid that first round curse that a lot of people had noted during the week. Louisville City cruises in the uh, Lipa FC match. 4-1 victory, never even that close against Indy 11. They move on. Uh, New York Red Bulls gets a 1-0 victory on the road over Charleston in a 4-5 matchup. This is one that I called, actually. Um, they get an early goal, and they just cruise from there, 1-0. And then probably the most dramatic match of the day, uh, Riverhounds, Pittsburgh Riverhounds, absolutely blow this match against their in-state rivals, Bethlehem Steel. They go ahead in the 25th, concede in the 70th. Go ahead in the 105th minute, concede in the 109th. And then they get a red card right before the penalty kick shootout, and they lose an 8-7 to penalty kick shootout. Absolutely gut-wrenching loss for them in a match where they had many more shots, more shots on target, more possession. But they could not defend when it mattered. And that's surprising from a Bob Lilly team to blow a 1-0 and 2-1 lead at home like that. But that's how it goes down. A team I saw in the Eastern Conference Finals is out. So, I mean, not to toot my own horn, I was 7-1 and one in first-round predictions. I predicted the first round in the Western Conference perfect. Orange County, Reno, Phoenix, and Swope. What are my predictions for the next round? I, uh, I'm going to stick with everything I said before. I think Reno goes on the road and beats OC. I think we just have enough for uh, Swope Park. 
And then on the eastern side, I think FCC gets by. They're definitely looking more beatable than they did before, but I think they can get by Red Bulls. And then Bethlehem Steel should not pose much of a chance against Louisville City. Uh, Louisville City quietly looking like the team to beat now in the East. So that's what was going on in the playoffs. Um, and we'll see what happens this round. There were some good, crazy matches in the first round. I expect more of the same. But at this point, we can go to supporter section questions. And uh, not too much, to be honest. Uh, we do have one good one. And this one comes from Ruben Rivera. Let me check this one out right now. Uh, yeah, just just give me one second. I got to pull up Twitter right here. But we are now good to go on this question. And the question comes from Ruben Rivera. What will be the biggest key in defeating Swole Park on Friday? Great question. I wish my co-hosts were here to give their takes on this. You know, for me, it's going to be shutting down their attack. It's going to be staying defensively compact and making sure that, you know, Haji Berry and Carlton Belmar don't take this game over. Because more so than Tyler Blackwood, who is the guy up top, those two guys, Barry and Belmar, are the kinds of guys that can take a match over. That can just, against the run of play, strike on a counterattack, rip our hearts out, and move on. They've done it before. They're experienced guys. So those are the ones that just scare me. We need to stop those guys. Those are their strongest attackers, in my opinion. Yes, I know Blackwood has some goals, but especially late in the season, Haji Berry has been their man. And then, historically speaking, Belmar has a way of scoring clutch goals. So, for me, the biggest key is going to be stopping those guys, not giving them opportunities to take this match over. Because I think offensively we're okay. We can create our chances. I think eventually we'll break through. I think the bigger thing is going to be staying defensively resolute and preventing them from getting those kinds of chances like they got against Sacramento where they can jump ahead in the match and then just absolutely stay compact and take control. Great question there from Ruben. Um, and because we don't have other hosts on here, it's going to be time to wrap up my part of the episode um a couple things to note before that happens again 75 or 7,511 fans in attendance what an amazing number i think this week can be even bigger because it's another beer night another home match we're just one round further in the playoffs so i'm very optimistic about that um I mean, you saw that MLS executives were in attendance. Nothing about Don Garber being there, but hey, anything is good. Uh, and I think the way the way we showed there, um, our atmosphere was just electric and made a great impression on MLS. So that's very cool. Uh, Defont gets men at the match. They haven't announced USL Teams of the Week yet. But I'm sure at least one of our guys 
probably Defont will make it on that team of the week. Um, as mentioned before, Aaron Blau was at the Sporting Arizona U.S. Open Cup match, and they lost. They lost 4-1, so there will be no shot at a repeat of last year's stunning result. So, with all that being said, I guess the only other thing is MLS news, and I was listening to last week's portion on MLS, and, you know, I love my co-hosts, but I feel like they were a little bit more optimistic than I am on MLS. I feel like Garber always has something up his sleeve. I feel like with St. Louis's bid, for whatever reason, he will want them to make it to MLS over us, and... So you talk about Austin uh, staying, you know, staying in the league, Columbus becoming an expansion team, in name at least, and then that means there's one spot available instead of the two spots that were expected after Cincy and Nashville go in. And then you're looking at, you know, probably Phoenix versus St. Louis. And St. Louis now has a lot of money into their bid. St. Louis is a great soccer town. I think they're a place where MLS could thrive. And maybe the thinking is they have, you know, their fans aren't so fair weather. I don't understand it, quite frankly, but that's just my gut is that St. Louis gets in over us and MLS will announce that it's going to go to 30 teams and then we'll be Team 29. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope that's the case, but that's what it looks like to me. And then we don't get in until like 2026 or something. And I I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I just, after hearing last week's podcast, I couldn't help but throw that perspective into the mix. Um, But with that being said, closing thoughts. And uh, I kind of had a stream of conscious tweet on Saturday morning that sums up my closing thoughts pretty well. Just what an incredible match. What an incredible atmosphere. That place was jumping on Friday. It just felt more incredible than any match I had ever attended at Phoenix Rising Soccer Complex. And everyone delivered, you know, the magic of Drogba scoring Asante. Beautiful to watch. And, um, you know, it just brought deep satisfaction, like, some of the biggest smiles that um, I've flashed in some time. And I, I just can only imagine how great it felt for, you know, people like John and Monica McPherson, who have been following this team from day one, even Kyle Mackey, um, you know, Pat Moses, and some of the others that have been following this thing from the very, very beginning. Um, and all the people in Banditos who have done the same. Uh, Alisa Cardenas, you know Marco. If you're if you were watching that up in Salt Lake City, um, it was just such an inspiring atmosphere, such a great result, um, and I just knew that soccer is going to be big here, that we're going to get MLS eventually, and the atmosphere we saw last week is just a taste of things to come, but it was also something I never really thought was possible you know back in March of 2017 let now 18 months later we have Drogba and Asante banging in goals in a playoff match at home 
and we just knocked someone off the pitch, made them look like they couldn't even lace our our cleats. Unbelievable, unbelievable stuff. So, you know, soak those moments in because you never know if we're going to get more of those. I mean, we're going to have at least one more chance this Friday, and uh, I implore all of you listening to get there, get there early, be loud, and just enjoy following this team and enjoy following Didier's last matches because um, I have a feeling this is going to be those one of those things you don't know how good it is until it's gone, right? Until Drogba's gone. So um, just I'm so appreciative of what we've seen on the pitch. So with that being said, thank you guys for listening. We'll be, you know, there will be more of a team for next week's episode Uh, And hopefully it'll be following a big second round win. Thank you all for listening. Have a great week and go rising. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is the official scarf supplier for MLS, USL, and US soccer. So be sure to go to roughneckscarves.com and get some of their products. We hope you enjoyed the show.